So uh, usually, uh, when we get up here to preach, we're in the midst of a sermon series. Uh, the series that we were in up until now was Winning the War in Your Mind, which is where we kind of took a book by Craig Rochelle, and we preached it section by section. Now, sermon series are really nice, especially for someone with my personality. Um, you could call me type A. Um, in Enneagram, you could call me type 1. I joke with, I joke with our staff, I'm one, wing one. Um, <laughs> If you know Enneagram at all, you know that uh, I just, I can be, I can tend to be a little bit uptight sometimes. Um, if you work with me, you might not say the word little bit. Um, but all that being said, I enjoy series because I enjoy structure. I love structure. I like graphs. I like lines. I like charts. I like everything to fit in its place. You know, even Paul said decently and in order. And I just, <laughs> anyway, we're not in a series right now. We're actually between two series. And so the fun thing about that is I get to preach what I feel led to preach on. The scary thing about that with my personality is I get to preach on what I feel led to preach on. And uh, so last week, more intentionally than normally, I went to God and I said, God, I don't want to preach from my flesh. I don't want to preach from a pet peeve. I don't want to preach from just what I'm feeling, what I'm personally going through right now. Lord, would you show me what the church needs to hear? And... He didn't, either didn't say anything right away, or I just wasn't able to hear him well. How many of you guys know there's a difference between that, between God speaking and us listening? But after the next few days, I felt like he kind of gave me a picture. And um, so the topic that we'll be discussing today is distraction. And if you are taking notes, not assuming that you are, but if you're taking notes, the, the title of this message is Do Not Disturb. We're going to be looking at two primary passages. One, they're both in the New Testament today, so I won't make you feel too uncomfortable. Come on, 11-11. Come on. That wasn't that bad. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 12. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, my friends, for you feel me. Luke chapter 10 and Hebrews chapter 11. I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 12. Um, but before we do that, we're going to go old school and stand for the reading of the word. First, we're going to look at the gospel or good news. That's what gospel means. We're going to look at the good news according to Luke. Now, when you see the name Luke, you might be going, I don't remember him being in the list of the 12. What's up with that? Well, Luke wasn't one of the 12. He was actually the physician and traveling partner of the Apostle Paul. Now, according to Luke, in chapter 10, Jesus was traveling and ministering. And he stops in this village, and he's welcomed into a home by a woman named Martha. We're going to pick up in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Every time I read that, I can hear it. Seth, Seth. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, as we turn to the book of Hebrews, I want to remind you that this is a letter. Hebrews is a letter written to the church. Now, Hebrews is a bit unique in that we don't know for sure who it was written by. Now, as soon as I say that, there's probably a lot of you out there like, no, it's for sure Paul. And I would just say, I don't know about that. So we can talk about it later if you want to debate me, but... The central pur whoever wrote it, the central purpose of Hebrews appears to be to remind Jewish believers 
to continue to press on in the faith and to not fall back into their previous belief system of Judaism. That was their belief system before Jesus came on the scene in the flesh. So in the beginning of chapter 12, the writer uh, has just exited this passage that sometimes some of us might call like the hall of faith. That's a church thing, so if you, you know, anyway. Um, basically, the writer has just gone through and told a history of the heroes of the faith and all the times that they continued to contend for the promises that God had made, even when they weren't seeing the fruit of them. Now, as soon as chapter 12 begins, the writer transitions from a historical account to this encouragement to follow their example of endurance. We'll start in verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. You may be seated. You pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true. Even today, in 2021, in the United States of America, your word is true. Lord, we pray that our hearts would be good soil today and that we would be transformed. I pray that even as I speak, that my heart would be soft to the way that you would change me and mold me according to your will. Open our spiritual eyes. Open our spiritual ears. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. What's up? I'll get to it. Just Oh, for sure. For sure, yeah. No, I'll be there. I heard you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'm listening. Okay, God. Wow. Looks like I heard him. That was a bit annoying, probably a little uncomfortable at first, if you, especially if you didn't know what I was doing. You're like, wow, this guy, this is his first time. But you've been in conversations like that? Oh, my gosh. I'm so annoyed by it, but I have so done it. I can just hear, my wife was here in the first gathering, but I can just hear her going, honey, oh, honey, (laughs) oh, yes, you have done that. I think I'm getting better. I'm working on it, work in progress, but it's just, it's the most frustrating feeling. You're, you're there, you're talking to someone, and you know that you're going to have to repeat at least half of everything that you're saying, and then you're still talking as if like you're holding on to this false hope, and then here's what's worse. Here's what's worse. When they fake active listen. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, totally, for sure. If you're going to tune me out, will you please just own it? 
don't respond to me. Just look at your phone, zone out, so we're very clear you ain't picking up nothing of what I'm laying down. And just so we're clear, I'm preaching to myself. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself. Or here's this. How about you're not in a conversation, but you're trying to get a project done. You got something that you're doing, especially if it has to do with technology. And it should take you 15 or 30 minutes. I'm running into this right now with the schooling that I'm doing online. And if I have my phone nearby, oh my goodness. A little 15-minute comment or blurb could turn into a two-hour project because we're just inundated with notifications. You got a messaging app here. You got a message. Now, this year has brought, back, brought forth so many messages. I mean, we, got, we got Signal. We got that other one that all the conservatives are using, Telegram. Because yeah, we're going to be able to hide from all the powers that be in those messaging apps. Give me a break. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I mean, I appreciate the effort, but they know where you live. And ain't none of your views going to be hidden because you're already spouting them on social media anyway. I didn't say that in any other gathering, so there must be here, someone here who needs to hear that. Anywho, lots of things sending us notifications. Social media, fantasy football, maybe that's just me. But you got your thing, whatever it is, Pinterest or whatever you're interested in that just chirps at you. And most of it's useless. 5% off. Give me a break. <laughs> Inflation's worse than that. <laughs> just useless garbage that extends the time of my projects that I need to get done. My goodness. Most of you probably on your phones, uh, you probably know that there's a do not disturb feature, right? Yeah, yeah. Which I love. I mean, that is, that is a gift from God. There's a lot about my phone that is the devil, but do not disturb is not it. Amen. Now, do not disturb is pretty cool, but I, I've had some issues with it in the past because sometimes I'm like, okay, my wife's at work. It's my day off. I don't want anyone to be able to reach me, but I do want her to be able to reach me. And they've done a little bit of things where you can like make someone a favorite and a phone call can get through or a phone call can get through if it goes through twice or you can, all that jazz. But now, on the new iOS software update, that's Apple, by the way, for those of you who aren't familiar with this century. <laughs> you guys, hey, it's 11-11, come on. I'm a little tired. I've had too much coffee. Just go with me, all right? We can be spicy back and forth. Yes, yes. So anyway, on this new software update, Do Not Disturb has been taken to a whole nother level. And for all my Do Not Disturb lovers out there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because now we don't just have Do Not Disturb. We have focus. And we don't just have one focus. We can customize like five different focuses. We got personal focus. We got work focus. We got drive focus. We got sleep focus. And then we have good old-fashioned Do Not Disturb. And this is like a, it's like a dream come true because now it's my day off and I don't want to be concerned that my wife's trying to get a hold of me, but I never have to because I just assign her, boom, personal focus. She can get through to me and the rest of the world is cut out and I can rest. And Logan is like, amen. But as I was praying last week, I, I felt like God gave me a similar picture to what I was just showing you a few moments ago. That so many of us, I, I feel like even myself walking around going, oh, I need, I need, God, won't you just guide me? Won't you just speak to me? I just need to hear your voice. Will you just show me your will for my life? 
And then it's like the next day, God's like, hey, Seth, hey, you know that thing that we were talking about? <clears throat> oh, yeah, what's up? Hey, um, I actually wanted to, to talk to you about it. It seemed like you really wanted to know yesterday. I mean, you were talking a lot. You didn't really take any time to listen, but you were speaking a lot, and I wanted to see if you wanted to continue the conversation. Go ahead. No, I, you know what? I, I think you might really want to hear this, Seth. It's kind of important. You know, I am God, after all. Most of the things I say are pretty weighty. Like I said, I'm listening. Go ahead. I'm just, you know, answering this text. All right, I'll just come back later. And then, two hours later, I'm back with my friends. Yeah, I'm just in this season, this dry season of just like. Go there. Go there. I'm just not hearing from the Lord. When's the last time you opened the Bible? Oh, you know, I was just kind of. I just can't hear. I just can't hear. I just can't tell what he said. I just can't tell what his will is. <laughs> I feel like he showed me this, but he didn't just show me a problem. I'm not here to just point out a problem. I mean, it's funny and it's cool. Yeah, we're all struggling with that. But I felt like he showed me in these passages right here a few problems that we need to be aware of. But he also showed me some solutions. How many, how many of you want to be free from distraction in your life? How many of you want to be focused? How many of you want to be able to accomplish the mission that God has put before you and to run the race that he set before you? About 20% of you answered. The rest of you are good being distracted and just continue to auto-scroll for the rest of your life. You finding a lot of purpose just watching TikTok videos for six hours? I'm not hating on TikTok. It can be cool. I mean, I don't have it, but it can be cool. It can be useful for sure. Craig's doing amazing things on TikTok, preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. All of them can be used for the glory of God. But are you using it for the glory of God is my question that I'm asking you right now. We'll move on before you have to stew on that too often. I felt like what he showed me first in these scriptures, in Hebrews chapter 12 and Luke chapter 10, was three primary categories of the way that humankind is distracted. Do you want to hear them? Yes. I'm so glad you said that. The first one is very straightforward. You probably could have guessed it. It's actually written right there, plain for us to see in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and that is the distraction of sin. Now, in Hebrews, this is very, it's a very basic meaning for this word. It, it means failure, or literally, it means to miss the mark. If any of you are, um, you know, archers, or I'm just thinking of the word, like you shoot guns. Is there a word that describes of Marksman. I'm so North Idaho. I mean, look at me. I just... <laughs> If you're an archer, I'm an archer. I'm obviously not a marksman. I mean, I own guns, but I, I don't need to be telling all you guys this. Anyway, miss the mark. That's the idea of sin is to miss the bullseye, right? But in a more general sense, we know that sin means wrongdoing or rebellion against God, disobedience, right? We know that in a more general sense. You know, we could probably all list 10, 15, 20, 100, 1,000 things that would fall under this category. Things like murder, theft. Sexual morality, gossip, hatred, things like that, which are by nature wrong, inherently wrong. Let me just say once again, 2021, inherently wrong, actually bad. 
And by their very nature, they inhibit us from the purposes in our lives. They inhibit us, like Hebrews says, if we don't lay them aside, like it says in this chapter, we're going to have a problem and a struggle running the race that is set before us, right? Okay, so the second, that one's pretty straightforward. The second one's a little sneakier. It's a little bit sneakier. So we got sin as our first category of distraction. The second one is a word, it's a little bit harder to identify as something that can be bad because it's not necessarily bad, but it can be. And that is weight, W-E-I-G-H-T. In this very same verse, the writer has said that we must lay it aside in order to run the race. Now, what is weight, though? See, this is a tricky word. This is the only time that this particular Greek word occurs in the whole Bible. So we aren't given a lot of other biblical context for ways to understand it. But we know that just based on ancient Greek, that it is defined as a burden or an encumbrance. Now, let let me present a thought to you as to what weight might be in the context of Hebrews here, when it's compared every sin and weight. What if we thought about weight as morally neutral things? Things that can be used for good or can be used for evil. But if we carry them, they become burdensome to us. So maybe for you, this is a hobby that's dominated your time. Nothing wrong with the hobby. If you're a marksman, that's great. If you haven't been home with your family for 20 nights because you've been marksmaning, (laughs) shooting guns at targets, then it becomes a problem, okay? It's a weight misused. Maybe it's overindulgence in uh, TV shows and movies. I know that maybe you don't want to talk about it, but like, Most of us watch TV shows and movies, and some of us are doing it too much. Some of us, it's actually pulling away from our purposes. Maybe it's auto-scrolling. Anyone else face the phenomenon? This is one of the reasons why I had to delete almost all social media out of my life, is that on my phone, I literally wouldn't think about it. I would try to hide social media in folders, and I would go, boop, 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 and all of a sudden, I'm scrolling. And I didn't even do that. I didn't even go there. It's kind of like when you're driving home and you realize like you, didn't, you, you totally were not present for the whole drive home, but somehow you made it safe. I can only imagine how dangerous that is. I'm like, this is like DUI status. Like what in the world? I, I can't be doing that. Anyway. It's kind of like auto-scrolling. You're like, you don't even know. And all of a sudden, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes pass by. And you're going, well, I didn't even mean to go here. I was just trying to look at my calendar to see if I could meet with this person, and I'm on social media. Yes, that, actually thing, that actual thing has happened to me, and it's one of the reasons I had to delete the social media apps off my phone. Whatever it may be in your life, this is, this, this is what I would place before you. Don't just think about inherently evil things. If we put all of our focus on, oh, I'm just not going to do anything immoral. That's, that, that's good, and that's fine. But there are weights that some of us are carrying that are not inherently evil, that are just as much an obstacle to us in hearing from God and knowing his will and in walking, running the race that is set before us. Does that make sense? So far we got two categories so far. What do we got? Good. The final category is the sneakiest. This one's a little bit tough because it masks itself. That's something very good. See, we're not going to look at Hebrews for this one. We're going to go back to Luke chapter 10. And there's three words. There are three words that I think can be summarized as one word. 
And that is anxious, troubled, serving. Anxious, troubled, serving. We're going to summarize for, the, for all intents and purposes today in the word of busyness. Now, the reason this is the trickiest is because you've you got to look closely at this passage. You've got to look really closely and see, we are Martha, a lot of us. And a lot of us are doing good things. The context here is this. Jesus is, is speaking to Martha, and Martha's doing these things. Literally what she's been doing, the word that's used in this other passage in Matthew Matthew 23, 11, <laughs> Jesus says, huh, is the greatest in the kingdom. You know that word? Good, we know that. The greatest in the kingdom is the diakonos. The diakonos. What does it say that Martha was so distracted with? Yes, the present verb form of diakonos. She was distracted doing what the greatest in the kingdom does. So what's the deal? Why does it seem like Jesus is rebuking Martha in this situation for acting like the greatest in the kingdom? Based on what he says about Mary, Martha's sister, we know that she has, Mary has chosen the good portion and that she has done what? The one thing that is necessary. And what is that? Yes, to sit at Jesus' feet and to listen to him. That's what Mary was literally doing. Jesus delivers a statement about Mary in contrast to Martha being anxious and troubled about many things. So what was it that Martha had done wrong? Martha was so busy doing good things. She missed the best thing. So busy doing good things. She missed the one thing that was necessary. his presence, and his words. She missed out on being with him. Now, I'm not going to ask you if you're guilty of something similar in this room because you know if you are, and I know that I am. How easy is it for me to justify? Oh, Lord, I just don't know if I have time for our time together this morning because i got to go do your work. I got I to gotta go partner with you in, in building this kingdom. God, God I mean, I, I work at a church, Lord. Like, I got to go do stuff that you wanted me to do. I'm busy. I'm busy with people. I got five people that text me while I was sleeping. I got to get back with them because they need me. People don't need us as much as they think, as we think they do. We, we are not the saviors that we put ourselves out to be. And they definitely don't need you more than you need Jesus. I'll tell you that. That's, right. That's something that I've found out the hard way. How many times have I justified with how many good things I'm doing for him, I've justified the absence of being with him. Makes me think of a certain passage that you might know from the Sermon on the Mount. Lord, Lord, Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do many mighty works in your name? Did we not prophesy in your name? And it wasn't like Jesus said, yeah, you just needed to try harder. You needed to put in a few more hours. 
you need to skip a few, morning, a few more morning devotions. Then you would have really done what I wanted you to do. No, what, is, what, what was the answer that Jesus gave? Depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. I never gnoskoed you. I never yadded you. We were never in relationship. Obviously, I'm not coming to you today and saying that you should stop doing good works or serving. Hopefully, you're not missing me that bad. Jesus, right before this passage, he just told the parable of the Good Samaritan, which is all about how important it is for us to practically love and serve our neighbor. Jesus is about doing good things. But what he's saying here is that every good work and every service that we put our hands to must be in proper alignment, never taking prominence over relational connection with him. When we make our lives all about for him and are never with him, we miss the point of the gospel. We miss the point that God has been trying to get through to us. Augustine, one of the most prominent early Christian theologians, he said this. He put, he put this out. And I'm not, this is not scripture. So don't, don't say Seth quoted this scripture because it's not scripture. But it does come from a mind of one of the most respected Christian theologians from the early church. And he said this. He made this assertion. Sin is simply disordered love. Sin is simply disordered love. Let's think about that for a minute. Because that's, you just mix two words that don't make any sense to me to be mixed together. Love is the highest call. To love God and to love neighbor is the summary of the law and the prophets. Love does no wrong. Except when love is not in order. Let me give you an example and make it a little bit easier to follow. It is good to love your friends. It is not good to love your friends more than you love your spouse. That'll get you nowhere fast, let me tell you. It is good to love your job. It's good to be passionate about what you do. It's good, it's good to, to pursue that. And to, it is bad to love your job more than your child. It is good to love, to do good things, and to serve God. It is bad if that ever comes at the expense of intimacy with him. Disordered love. Now, sin, weight, and busyness, I put forth to you as the three major categories of distraction that we are at war with as humankind. But I also promised you that I would bring you solutions. And I believe that here, from the words of Jesus and the writer of Hebrews, we've been given just that. So what do Jesus and the writer of Hebrews have to say about combating distraction? Jesus said that Mary's sitting at his feet and listening to him was the good portion and the one necessary thing. The writer of Hebrews said that we look to Jesus the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He, and the writer also says that we are to consider him, to consider Jesus. Okay, let's, let's put these together. What do we learn from these two passages about combating distraction in our life? We learn that we're gonna have to figure out how to sit, how to listen, 
how to look, and how to consider. Great, that's very preachery to give four words and four little nuggets of what you're supposed to do. But there actually are very practical things that we can do in order to do this. But you may not like all of them. Some of this stuff is hard. Some of this stuff requires <gasps> discipline. <gasps> the D word. Some of this stuff requires doing things that you don't feel like doing. How do we sit at Jesus' feet? First of all, for all the other ones out there, and all the other people who love to get stuff done, you have to stop. Stop. No producing, no accomplishing, no getting anything done. You sit and you be with Jesus. You put away your phone. And even let, let me just take this to the next level because some of you are like, oh, I'm really good at my daily devotions. So he's not talking to me. I'm telling you, when you have a personality like mine, you can turn anything into a task. Anything. You can turn anything into homework. And I have been guilty of turning my time with Jesus, the lover of my soul, into a homework assignment. So for a moment, for a moment, just stop. Even this. For a moment, stop reading. For a moment, stop journaling. For a moment, stop listening to your podcast. For a moment, for goodness sake, put away your phone. And just wait upon him. And when you don't feel him, <laughs> wait upon him. And when you don't get goosebumps, wait upon him. And when your two-month-old woke you up three times last night, wait upon him. We are not led by our emotions. We are led by the Spirit of God. And I'll give you a sneak peek into where the Spirit of God is leading you. He's leading you into nearness with God. He's leading you into nearness with Jesus. This is how we sit. How do we listen? Well, we listen in several different ways, but I think a great place to start for anyone who's having trouble hearing the voice of God, because I could say this next thing, you'd be like, no, 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 it's also this. Yeah, it is also that. But I'm trying to help folks who are having trouble listening to God. Fair enough? We start with his word. Now, that doesn't feel like listening, Seth. That feels like reading. Well, you can listen to an audio Bible, but that's not really the point of what I'm saying. When we look at the scriptures, we learn what his voice sounds like. What do I mean by that? We learn the types of things that he says. Why is that important? Because when all the other sounds are coming and all the other voices are coming, your flesh, the devil slash demons, the world, when we know the kinds of things that our father likes to say, we can pick out his voice. Just like my son, when I walk into the room and he hears my tone, he knows daddy's here. And for, and for him, my voice is different from the other voices. Just like Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. If you want to get to know his voice, get to know his word. And you'll be able to pick it out amongst all the other sounds. One of my favorite teachers, he says this, bad prophets are simply bad theologians. Maybe a simpler way to say it. People who prophesy poorly, inaccurately, jacked up, mess with people's lives, probably don't know the scriptures very well. If you're having trouble hearing, start reading and start listening 
and you'll be able to dial in the frequency of heaven. So next time when you're listening in the silence and you hear and you wait for that still small voice and you know what he sounds like, you know what he sounds like, you'll be able to hear him. Maybe it's through an impression, maybe it's through a dream, maybe it's through a vision, maybe through it's, it's through a prophetic word, but you'll learn to know the kinds of things that God says. Because how many of you know that the spirit of God and the word of God are in agreement? They're in agreement. How do we look? How do we look to Jesus? Well, the Greek word here is that we would cast aside everything else from our focus, everything else from our gaze, and fix it on one thing. In order to do this, we must take inventory of where our gaze has been fixed. And it's easy for all of us to say that my eyes are turned upon Jesus. But if he doesn't have your primary gaze, if he doesn't have your primary gaze, well, how do I know if he has my primary gaze? (laughs) Show me your bank statement, show me your calendar, and let me walk with you for a day. If he doesn't have our primary gaze, Whatever does have our primary gaze is a distraction and it's harmful to the path and the race that he has laid before us. And how do we consider? Consider, it's, it's kind of a different word. It lands a little bit differently in a, in a setting like this. But the Greek word is that we would consider from front to back, that we would consider fully, that we would consider completely. Another way that you might think about this word is to meditate or to ruminate. This is not a one-time daydream where you thought about Jesus one time. And so, yeah, that's, that's how I'm not distracted is I thought a good thought about Jesus. No, this is, for lack of a better term, an obsession. How will you know? How will you know when you are properly obsessed? People will look at you and go, why are you so Jesus-y? Why does Jesus always come up around you? Why, why does it seem like every conversation all of a sudden we're talking about Jesus? What's, what's up with you? Well, he's the main thing I think about all the time, so I guess it just kind of comes out. When, you, when, 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 you, when you're there, you know you've been ruminating. You know that you've been like the cow chewing the cud. That's a thought, but we're talking about ruminating. Wow, we're really getting there. We're really get- oh, wait. <clears throat> but it's really important to make sure you're chewing on the right thing. And this is what I mean. If Jesus, <laughs> if Jesus is just who you want him to be, and that's what you're chewing on, you actually aren't chewing on Jesus at all. You're chewing on some weird, twisted, perverted, probably version of yourself. Or, or worldly desire or something, make sure if you're going to ruminate on him that you're ruminating on, on the right guy. And how do you know? You write his word on your heart so that the meditation of your heart and the words of your mouth would be pleasing to him, would be worthy of his name. In order for us to be free from distraction, and we must be free from distraction, church, we must be those who can run the race that is set before us. We've got to learn to sit at his feet. We've got to learn to listen to his voice. We've got to learn to look to him. To look to him. Not, not, 
not just look at him, but look to him instead of looking to ourselves. Now, why would you make that connection, Seth? Because we look to him as the founder and the perfecter of our faith. You know what's so cool about him being the perfecter and the founder of our faith? It means that I'm not. It means that I'm not. And that none of my striving is gonna get it done. We learn to look to him and we learn to consider him. And that's how we can walk in true freedom of distractions that are surrounding us, bidding for our attention constantly. I want to I share one thing. You guys can stand. I want to share this thing from a teacher, a favorite teacher of mine. I'm not going to share it till you stand because for whatever reason, there's this time when people stand up and all of a sudden there's this like disconnection that happens. I just want to invite you to re-engage right now, now that you've stood. Are we back? Awesome. <laughs> you checked your texts and you're, you're good, you know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Joking. This is what this teacher says. He says, no one can have, no one can cultivate, no one can build, no one can write your personal history with Jesus for you. And you're going, cool, Seth. Sounds like something a Christian author would say. This is what I mean. There are plenty of things that you and I do every day that can be done by another person. Now, don't hear me wrong. You are very special. Especially you millennials and Gen Zers. I know that you need, you need you're very special. <laughs> we love you. Hey, I'm one of you. I'm one of you. So I know I need to be told I'm special too. <laughs> Let me just start by this. I affirm you. You're very special. But there's a lot of things that you do every day that someone else can do instead of you. That's okay. You're still special. There are a few things that no one else can do for you. No one else can. If you're married, no one else can be that spouse to your husband or wife, or they better not. If you have kids, no one else can be that baby's mama or daddy. No one else. And for all of you, every person in here, no one can cultivate a personal history with Jesus for you but you. You can't delegate it, you can't automate it, and you can't shortcut it. It takes time. It takes long suffering. It takes waiting. There's a reason why they call it waiting, by the way, and not entering into a time of butterflies and goosebumps. It's called waiting. You know, I tried, I tried the whole waiting on the Lord thing and I didn't feel anything. Are you sure it's about your feelings? Are you sure? Are you sure he's not bigger than that? Anyway, no one can write it but you. In order to walk in the kind of history that Jesus wants to have with us, we have to learn to sit at his feet and, and to listen to his voice, to fix our eyes on him and to fix our thoughts on him. We cannot be a distracted church because a distracted church is an ineffective church, friends. You know what a distracted church will do? It'll spend hours and hours and years and years doing a lot of good things and miss the one necessary thing. It will miss, we will miss the good portion. We will miss the good portion if we live distracted.